Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, editor-at-large at The Block, and we have a very exciting episode of the show for you folks today. A return guest on the program, Zane Tackett, who's been in the crypto industry for, I mean, he's seen it all, B2C2, Bitfinex, and of course, FTX. Sir, thanks so much for taking the time. We appreciate you coming on, especially since you're already 40% the way through Michael Lewis's new book. So we can talk a bit about that. Thanks for joining. How have you been? Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, been doing pretty good. Uh, you know, just kind of biding my time through the bear market, been focusing on sports and um, yeah, wait, waiting for the market to turn around. Exactly. No better way to spend a bear market than running 50 kilometers through, uh, through the hills. <laughs> so congrats on that. Um, yeah, now I just have another 130 kilometers in a couple of weeks through Morocco. But Something right. to aspire to for all of us. Yeah. So one thing that, you know, you've, you've kind of been one of the most vocal former employees of FTX since the meltdown last fall. Maybe we can start with, and obviously we have the, the criminal trial kicking off today of Sam Bankman-Fried. When you look back over the course of the last year, what do you think has been something that's, what do you think has been the most misunderstood aspect of this entire thing from your perspective as a relatively senior or high profile employee? Well, I, I don't know. I think it's changed quite a bit. Like right after, um, right, right after it blew up, it seemed like all the media were just reporting like, you know, oh, whoops, you know, 10 billion just kind of went missing at, at FTX and it didn't really um, explain how it went missing, that, you know, it was stolen by the, the founder and the CEO. Um, and so it seemed like, you know, at the beginning there were all these fluff pieces. Uh, and, and then, you know, I'd say one other thing is that people like, yeah, I, I completely understand why, but it's kind of invoked to trash FTX. And so people have said, you know, oh, it, wasn't a good business to begin with. Like I think CoinDesk wrote an article the other day that um, had a bunch of massive misunderstandings, like that Alameda was the other side of every single trade. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, it's wildly inaccurate. Um, and, and so like it, it just came from, it just went from this massive theft or, you know, fraud from the founder to tainting everything that happened there. And like at the end of the day, you know, FTX did grow to become one of the largest exchanges in crypto. And so it, it was, you know, a valuable business. It was a business that was making money, which makes it all the more confusing why Sam, you know, decided to do the things he did, do the things he did and blow up the entire company. Well, it seems like, um, I mean, and this kind of speaks to the controversy around what Michael Lewis said on 60 Minutes, which is that had, um, referring, uh, I imagine, to uh, a CZ of Binance, had rivals not casted, cast aspersions and, you know, had the market not dumped as catac cataclysmically as it did, this could have been a firm that would have gone on to exist profitably. It would have been in, in fine shape. Uh, what, what do you make of those comments? Do you think the reaction was maybe um, a, bit, a bit too aggressive? Um, do you think that FTX could have 
could have continued or could have operated as a as a profitable business um had this not had had this had not transpired yeah so a few things here one i find any you know um, anybody saying that cz is what caused this or, or that you know cz is to blame here it's just an idiotic statement like um yeah he had nothing to do with it the thing that caused it was sam stealing all the money right so like you can't <laughs> blame anybody else for for that um, or, or, you know, you can't blame anybody, any other market participants like CZ you know, or anybody that called that out for Sam having stolen that money. Um, the other thing is that, like, I do think what, you know, Michael Lewis said there, it, it, at least in my understanding, which is if that hadn't been called out, FTX could have continued to operate. I, I mean, I don't understand why people think that's not true, right? Like that money didn't just suddenly go missing right before uh, the news came out and FTX blew up. It had apparently been missing for some time and uh, it, it continued to operate. So it was just, you know, that, that bank run or whatever you want to call it, the people trying to get their money out uh, that, that ended up causing the, the blow up um, and, and exposing the, the fraud that Sam had had. On the flip side, I do think that anytime you kind of cross that boundary to taking customer deposits, um, like there is no good end road to that, right? Like if you're willing to do that, I think eventually it's going to blow up. Something bad is going to happen. Like I don't see that there's a, a way of that ending well. So perhaps it's a good thing that FTX blew up before it got even bigger and Sam was able to steal even more money and orchestrate an even larger fraud because you I, know, know. I think anybody I know. going to do Bef- that. Before Sam was able to... Before Sam was able to give Donald Trump $5 billion, give the Bahamian government $10 billion. Uh, It's a good thing that it happened before any of that. Yeah. And, you know, when you're reading this thing, it really does come out that like Sam, especially like the Twitter deal, right? Because that was right before FTX blew up. Like I can only imagine the way that Mm -hmm. he was trying to put together a bid was looking at the USD deposits at FTX and being like, yeah, I think we could probably bid. uh, Oh, we just got a big deposit. We could do 5.1 billion. Um, and so I think at the end of the day, you know, it, it would have eventually blown up with having somebody that's so carelessly throwing money around that's not his um, at the helm. So here's here's something that I can't quite square. Um, I spoke with someone who was very senior at Alameda um, yesterday, and obviously I've been reading portions of Michael Lewis's book, and we talked about this before we turned the mics on, there are kind of two theories here, right? Or at least two camps, um, one being uh, one of which is Sam and FTX Alameda kind of were a bit um, operating without operating outside the, maybe we can say the parameters of what is moral or ethical or legal from the beginning a fraud. And then the other theory is that something happened. There was this um, catalyst, this moment, this um, shit hitting the fan episode that forced them to um, basically take customer deposits to cover some sort of hole on the Alameda side. But when we think about all the money he was throwing around, if, if there was this issue why then go and kind of double down if if the point of taking the customer deposits was to 
as it's as as is noted in the book, um, get through the situation of uh, I believe Genesis. I don't know if they they mentioned the trading firm, but my understanding it's Genesis uh, recalling the loans to fix that. Why are you then trying to buy Twitter? Yeah, it's or did that happen before? Did this happen before the? Um, I, I'm not quite sure on the timeline here. Did that? Ha- I know that a lot of those bankruptcies. Um, you know, the, and the headlines of Sam trying to save uh, Voyager, that would have happened after um, the loans were recalled. So what what is he what is the logic there to get more deposits? Yeah, um, I, I I don't know. I do think one aspect of it is just that, like, I, you know, if you look at what Sam's saying today, like he still doesn't really understand what he did wrong. He doesn't understand that just taking that USD was wrong. And he's like. Well, you know, if you include the value of our maps and our oxy and, you know, the FTT and Solana, uh, it was just a spot margin, which is just horrendously untrue and like, you know, completely misses the mark that you're stealing other people's funds um, that did not agree for it to be borrowed with any form of collateral or anything. Uh, And so, like, I don't think, you know, I don't think he saw this coming to an end. So, like, he didn't think he was doing anything wrong. So, like, yeah, the Twitter bid, why not? that much money for Twitter. Who cares? Like there's that USD there. I can borrow it. Nothing's wrong with the borrow. I mean, that kind of seems to me like the way that he treated this, like, yeah. Mm. So he was able to sort of do like mental gymnastics to, um, to to kind of, um, justify, justify the, the unlimited borrowing. Um, so you're about 40% of the way through. Is there any, what, what's, what's, what's something that's shocked you so far? Uh, so I wouldn't say anything's like really shocking. Um, it, it's just getting to the starting of Alameda. Um, but a lot of things make a lot of sense. Like listening to Tara's comments about how Sam was as a manager. Um, very accurate, right? Like he, he just says like, yeah, if you have any questions, just ask me, but then never responds to uh, like messages, wouldn't show up to meetings. And when you do have a one-on-one, he's playing video games the whole time. Um, so like, that's true. And then uh, just like some confirmation where he talks about how he doesn't really feel happiness. He doesn't really have normal emotions. Like everything's kind of faked. Um, he did seem to me like somebody who just doesn't get pleasure from things. And then so hearing like, him describe mm. it in the way that he frames it himself um, explains a lot of things like the way that he acted and um, and just working for him, like why things kind of were the way they were. It's an interesting point. Let's maybe focus just a few moments on, on Sam, the person um, this, this whole sort of, uh, I forget who it was on Twitter. I think maybe Adam Cochran, um, who's often um, pontificating, he said he met Sam a few times and, and he didn't have that sort of fidgety, um, je ne sais quoi about him. What, to what extent was, uh, Sam the external person as he was out in the media and to the world dissimilar or similar to Sam, the executive or Sam, the friend? Or colleague, coworker, I should say. Um, 
Well, uh, again, like the way that uh, the way that he describes things in his conversation with Michael Lewis makes it seem like he doesn't have friends, like he's incapable of having friends. And that is also kind of the takeaway that, you know, I got from mm. knowing him personally. Like he has people that he might be around or whatever, but like just doesn't have that normal sense of, of friendship or whatever. Um, you know, like I don't think he would do that much to go out of his way to like actually expend effort to, to help like, you know, a friend in need or something. I don't know. Um, but, uh, he, I would say, yeah, all the entire time I knew him, he was always like, you know, quite fidgety and bouncing and, you know, a hundred million things bouncing around. And like, you know, whenever you talk to him, it, it seems like you're getting like 5% of his attention and most of his brain power is going elsewhere. And he just sits there and, you know, yep, yep. Okay. All right. Yep. And then later that becomes annoying because you're like, yo, we talked about this. He's like, I don't remember talking about this. And it's like, well, yeah, you know, cause you weren't really paying attention. <laughs> um, yeah. Frustrating work experience for sure. So on the flip side though, I mean, he was able to build a company, um, you know, manage hundreds of people, roll out, launch product, ship product, and there was, to some extent, a business. So how was he able to do that with such a sloppy management style? What were some of the maybe, what was he doing right in that respect? Because that just sounds like, I mean, it was a recipe for disaster. It ended in disaster, but it also sounds like, oh, you know, uh, you can't get anywhere with that, with, with that sort of style. Um, yeah, so it had, you know, it's ups and it's downs. The, the flip side to that is like, um, you know, the, I dealt with the institutional clients and like, that was completely mine to do so. And, you know, I wanted to change the fees, um, or like the market making program or things like that. You know, he's like, cool, come up with the idea and then we'll talk about it. And like, so you get a ton of responsibility and there's zero micromanagement, right? No, mm. So you get a project, you run with it. And, um, I'm somebody who, you know, really hates being micromanaged and something like sales, it's easy, right? Like go get volume. That that's the only thing that matters. I don't need somebody to sit over my shoulder and say, Hey, by the way, you should go sign up this large market maker. Like no shit. Yeah, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I really liked that, you know, he, he chose people that were, you know, good at what they did and then kind of let them do it. Um, so that was nice. Um, the, the ambitions of the company, right? Like it was a very ambitious company in a, in a crypto bear, uh, bull market, right? Like make big bets. They, they pay off a lot of times, um, until the bear market, if you didn't <laughs> do anything to change, but, um, and so there was a lot of things that like worked very well at, um, FTX and like to this day, I still think Sam is one of the smartest people I've ever met. You know, he, he was mm. very, um, very smart. And, uh, you know, one thing that, again, they talk about in the book is like he wasn't emotional about things. So he did look at things usually from like a pretty objective point of view, which I think was good. Um, and it allowed them to improve a lot and like not be married to certain things. Uh, yeah, so there was a lot of things that were done well. Um, I mean, FTX tackled a lot of problems that were present in the industry, you know, the inefficiency of capital and with the multi, um, with the multi-asset margining and the, um, the cross margining and everything like that. They did that very well. Um, and obviously the market responded to it. Otherwise it wouldn't have gotten the level of volumes that it did. So naturally. Yeah. Um, you are 
an advocate, I believe, of of a 2.0 reboot. Yeah, um, uh, you know, I am in gen- generally in favor of it. I think that uh, there is still a gap in the market for the the product that um, FTX was, and and you know, people liked it. And I think you know, somebody like High Stakes Cap, I saw earlier today on Twitter talking about it. There, there's some very large. Um, firms that really want or firms and traders that want FTX to come back. And I do think that it represents the quickest and most efficient way for people to get their capital back. Um, it also allows people to voice an opinion on, you know, things like if I believe in the value of Anthropic, I can hold on to my debt token if they do something like a debt token. Um, yeah. Whereas if I, you know, I need my capital now, I don't like that. I can sell at a market rate, get, you know, what the market, um, believes my my debt to be worth uh, so it gives people more options in a much faster and more efficient way and um, yeah so I think there's a lot of benefits um, to the people affected by FTX uh, if there were uh, if there was to be a relaunch have you been surprised about how much has been recovered so far um, I mean no not really right like FTX is quite a, a sloppy place with bad um, accounting and stuff like that. Like I remember one time I found uh, millions of dollars worth of airdrops that they had gotten that they didn't know about. Um, and so it doesn't surprise, like I don't think it's that impressive that they did it. I think if you would have handed this to like any crypto firm, like if Binance bought them, they would have found all those assets in like two days and already had it back to the users. Um, I would actually say I'm kind of surprised that they haven't got more like the, the hacked funds. Uh, I'm shocked that 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 hasn't come out yet. Who did mm. that? Um, that is um, one of the big questions, right? I mean, who could have done that? Uh, the list has to be extremely short. Who's your top um, suspect? I mean, if I had to guess, I'd say an ex, like uh, an ex higher up FTX or Alameda employee. Um, mm-hmm. Cause like if you were a current one, like Jesus, like, Dude, you already know that everything's being looked at so stringently and so under the microscope would just be ballsy to the point of ridiculous to do it. But I mean, the fact that they haven't gotten caught yet, I don't know. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, I'm very surprised that that hasn't been caught yet. And when I talked with Sam about it after or like when everything was blowing up, he seemed so nonchalant, like, Oh yeah, you know, it was a battle between like FTX US and FTX.com to get assets. And like, it's not lost. So, I mean, I think he has some information on what happened to it, but uh, uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So what do you think of, of uh, the marketplace right now? Obviously it's in, it's relatively in tatters from a, credit lending perspective. Um, Genesis is out. Alameda's out. FTX is out. BlockFi's out. Voyager's out. Um, Three Arrows Capital is out. So there's this big gap and most of the, I mean, large firms are now out in Asia, Bybit, um, Binance, obviously, OKX. What, where do you think um, the market goes from here from a, like a capital markets perspective? Well, I mean, I think the drive to decentralization is kind of being pushed upon us by regulators a bit, right? Like if you make it such a pain in the ass to use 
products like Coinbase or Bybit or whatever, um, I think the natural push is going to be to decentralize exchanges. And like, if you see how much Uniswap grew from when it was founded to the, the last bull market, it shows you know how easy or I wouldn't say easy is the word, but how much traction can be gained in a short period of time by a a product with good market fit and decentralization. The fact that you have to sign in with with MetaMask and like, you know, you have to use some lists and check that you're not trading for the wrong coin or you might get scammed um, didn't prove to be that much of a hindrance. And so I think, you know, in the next uh, in the next cycle, we'll see decentralized per protocols doing very well. Um, and, and people moving more and more to DEXs uh, just because that's going to be what's easiest for them. This is something that Mike uh, Cahill, uh, who joined the program, former Jump, had to say, uh, crypto, the crypto industry needs to start eating more of its own lunch in terms of actually using DeFi trading in a decentralized manner, moving away from centralized venues but there's obviously the UX, UI mm-hmm. hurdles that people face in doing that. It's just more clunky. Yeah, but at the same time, uh, it's definitely more clunky to do the trade there. But also what's more clunky? Going to, you know, perp.xyz, clicking the connect MetaMask button and submitting a transaction or submitting seven forms of ID, two forms of proof of address, your last 12 months of financial statements then they come back and say this picture is blurry and oh well we don't like this and oh that tax statement doesn't work and like <laughs> you know you take three months to get onboarded and then they ask for re-verification you know that that's more clunky than any dex experience so yeah it's got you know um it's not as good a ux in some areas and better in ux in others and the the experience is going to continue to improve um on dexes as time goes on so you know, I think in the end, um, we'll probably see continuing uh, share of the market go towards taxes. Does the book um, reveal anything uh, about the market outside of Alameda and FTX? Anything about the way, you know, this this nascent capital markets were kind of stitched together with 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 tape in some respects uh i mean one thing it does talk about like so uh thus far in the book it's only i'm only at the point where it's um getting to alameda starting so it it was more focused on sam's childhood and stuff like that which um you know therefore (laughs) doesn't really delve too deep deep into crypto but um one thing that it talks about is how like crypto is this thing where it's all you know get rid of trust don't trust verify and they ended up creating a, you know, a financial system where trust is even more heavily involved. Like, you know, I need to trust the exchange that I use mm-hmm. for my crypto trading much more than I need to trust the New York Stock Exchange, for instance. Um, and mm-hmm. how that's kind of ironic, which, you know, at some point I agree, but I think people miss the point when they say, you know, Satoshi's vision was decentralization. So people using centralized exchanges go against that. Um, centralized exchanges in my opinion, aren't against like the ethos of crypto. The ethos of crypto is having the option to opt out, right? Like I can use convenient centralized services if I want to, or I also have the option not to, and, and I can, you know, take advantage of that option whenever I want to. Um, you know, that's, that's the whole point of being your own bank and having that power is maintaining mm-hmm. the option. You don't have to do that all the time, but 
if you want to, you can. Um, but outside of that, no, I, I haven't really gotten too much to where it's talking about the, the broader crypto industry. Does it, it, does it, does it kind of explain his, um, how the, how he sort of got into the effect of altruism or how his childhood maybe played into that? Yeah. It talks about like, you know, he was growing up, uh, he had the view of a utilitarian and then, you know, met Will McCaskill and like, he just was disillusioned with everything in life, which also goes back to like, you know, he doesn't really find real pleasure in things. Um, and so then the idea of just making all your money to give it away, um, kind of captivated him because he thought, you know, maybe I'll go into education. Then he's like, ah, oh, that's kind of a sham. You know, they're just re- repeating the same old speech. Who cares? So then the idea of like just making as much money as possible to give it away, um, kind of caught his eye. He didn't do much giving it away though. Um, I think that's one head, head scratch. No, I mean, I think uh, overall he's probably taken, uh, you know, like 10 billion more than he's given yeah. away. So that's, I mean, it's an impressive um, inflow outflow. And it is like, it, it's also just in hindsight, so like scummy and oh, so disgusting that we have that whole donate to the FTX foundation, like all these people donated, like a bunch of my friends were in competitions to stay on the leaderboard. And this money that people thought was going to a charity was just going to like pay back loans and, and screw everybody over. Like, uh, yeah, that's something that I don't, I don't see how he can kind of, uh, justify that with the all dollars are fungible. You never like get net nothing. No money went to any cause. Yeah. Yeah. But all dollars. Yeah, it's hard to, it's it's a hard one to grapple with. Um, so what are you, what are you anticipating? What do do you think, or, or what might, um, are you paying attention or are you going to pay attention to the trial or are you keen to kind of, yeah. What do you, what are you interested in maybe seeing? So uh, I think like my guess is what's going to happen is Sam's going to play essentially dumb, but also like try to bog people down with the tech with technicalities. Right. So like, I think what he's going to say is something like it was just a spot margin borrow, right? Like FTX clearly allowed for spot margin borrows and then like get into the weeds on how, you know, all this worked and how Alameda was able to borrow this because they had so much collateral and throw up big numbers. Like we had a hundred billion of collateral. You should be able to borrow 10 billion against a hundred billion. And then, you know, it turns out that our margining systems weren't as good. So that's the argument is that Alameda was insanely Mm -hmm. over collateralized on FDX, but with what type of assets? I mean, well, yeah. So, well, even, no, it's not even the type of assets like that. Okay. So you're saying they had a normal spot margin borrow. All right. FTX was built so that a single asset, uh, like a, a very large position, a single asset, um, doesn't pose a huge risk to the exchange. So one, uh, locked Solana, locked maps, locked Oxy, locked serum. Um, FTX doesn't count locked assets as collateral. So, to say to, to include those in the balance that you're saying we had all this money that we borrowed against. No, your own systems 
hold those as collateral of zero. So mm-hmm. all right, we'll, we'll write that mm-hmm. off. And two, the way the collateral contribution worked, the bigger your position, either for collateral contribution or for the size of like a, um, a futures position, the larger it is in a particular asset, the larger the um, either collateral contribution um, haircut gets or the more collateral uh, requirement it has for a position. So if you run the numbers on the entire supply of FTT at $40, not at 24, but at 40 and all of serum at like, I think $2 is where I ran it. Maybe one, um, you get like 2.5 or $3 billion of collateral, even though the face value is like 40 billion. Um, and so you built a system that knows that there is an inherent risk in taking uh, face value for any coin in massive size. So you built a haircut system dude, to deal with that. But then when you borrowed assets, you didn't employ the same margining system. You require everybody else to, to play by on your own borrow. Why wouldn't you do that? Right. So like, I think it's obvious that he knew what he was doing. If it was a, just a normal spot margin borrow, why wouldn't they use the same margining, the same system, take from the, the same, same haircut pool of assets? System. Exactly. And that's what he's, that's what he'll have a more difficult time trying to explain away. Yeah. And then at the same time, how how do you explain us having zero assets in or zero coins in assets that weren't available for spot margin borrows? Right. So like I deposited, but but for sake of argument, Tezos, um, and we don't support Tezos for spot margin borrows. Why do we have zero? Why would that be, why would that be touched? Right. It can't be right. Per our TOS, it can't be touched. And yet it's not there. So. Has he, has he, has he, um, answered that, that you've seen that specific? No, because he can, no, because he can get into the weed. Like he always talks with people who know maybe a very surface level, but never anybody who actually knows enough to push him. So like he talks about the terms, but like, dude, I've gone over the terms. It explicitly says we can't touch those assets. And then he goes, well, yeah, mm-hmm. there's one part that talks about, um, about, uh, intermediaries. And he's like, yeah. And it's talking about like North, um, North dimension or whatever. But no, that, that's also not uh, in, in our TOS. We refer to any of those entities as affiliated entities. That's how we refer to Alameda um, when it comes to what rights they have on the exchange and things like that. And the third party, third party intermediaries are meant for payment services, right? Like if we use, uh, I think PaySafe is, you know, or Transactive mm-hmm. or like any of the, and they take the money, then we can say, guys, like, that's not on us. It is a hundred percent not to say, Hey, you deposited in this other entity. That's also ours, by the way, which means we can just steal the money, even though that's where we sent you to payment. And it is our fault that the money's gone. Like tough luck. That is not what the TOS says. And that's what Sam's trying to say. It says, which like it, it nah. And so he gets, like, he's able to kind of give enough technicality, right? Like in, you know, section mm-hmm. schedule one term, 3B, it says this. And then people are like, oh, I don't really, like, I haven't read that. I don't know how to push back. But if you actually do mm-hmm. read it, you know, then you're like, well, no, that, that's not what that says at all. And so that's why I got really frustrated when he was doing all these interviews right after FTX blew up. And he's like, well, it's a spot margin bar. And people are like, oh, oh, oh okay. All right. And okay. they kind of ha- just have to accept it. And it's like, yeah, you fucking liar. Like, no, but nobody <laughs> knows enough to push you on it. Yeah, well, I mean, that'll all sort of be hashed out in court, I'm sure. 
Um, yeah, I hope so. Yeah. I mean, it's a shame that we can't have you um, kind of cross-examine him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so when one of the big interviewers, they, they were like, hey, we have a call with Sam coming up. Um, and like, what are some questions we could ask him? And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll tell you what's going to happen. If I give you these questions, you're going to ask him. He's going to give you an answer and you're not going to know how to go to the next level for whatever he says. So I was like, can you have me mm-hmm. as like a, a guest? And then like, I can come in and be like, ha, Sam, that's not how that works. And they're like, no, journalistic integrity won't let us do that. But I was really hoping that like I could have an opportunity to hop in and be like, gotcha, bitch. But you could sit no. <laughs> oh, like a Dave Chappelle. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, to be a fly on the wall, um, lurking in the background. What, what, um, I mean, I want to be respectful of your time, uh, especially since it's getting a little bit later in the afternoon over there. So, um, what else are you excited about these days? I feel like, um, I feel like it's, it's kind of funny. A lot of, people who kind of got burnt um, the most in this industry last year, they're all kind of trying to do something remotely in DeFi. Um, what, what, have you, you haven't been disenfranchised by crypto yet. I think it would take a lot more than, than um, a $40 billion uh, exchange collapsing than, <laughs> than that. Uh, <laughs> maybe $100 billion exchange. Um, so what are you excited um, see, about? Let's, let's not wish that, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, to be honest, like, yeah, I, I'm excited to see the direction that things keep going. Like, I, I just also think, um, you know, that there are people in the space that are doing awesome stuff. Like you know, the Bitfinex team, like, I don't know if you played around with Keat. Have you ever tried Keat? Yeah. It's awesome, yeah, right? Like it's such out, a cool yeah. product and it's free and they're like not really monetizing it. And so like, I, I think that now we have, you know, a lot of these people that have been in crypto for a long time that are like quite idealistic and are building out really cool products. Um, and I, I think that's awesome. And the, you know, as we talked about earlier is regulations keep making it more and more of a pain in the ass to, to interact with crypto. I, I think, you know, we'll see more and more great DeFi projects bring up and kind of rebuild the infrastructure in a decentralized manner, which is exciting. The Craig Wright fiasco going on, that's fascinating, mm-hmm. right? It's going on with uh, Suju also, very interesting. Um, especially, you know, I, I wasn't very happy uh, to see his redemption arc and then like he came after me over some bullshit that I helped Alameda when I was working at B2C2. So, you know, a little happy to see him get his comeuppance and yeah. I don't know. There's a lot to be excited about, man. Uh, it's interesting. The halving's yeah. coming up and then right. things always get interesting after that. So, you know, I think uh, just going to bide my time for a little bit longer in this bear market and then fantastic. enjoy the bull. And we will see you in the bull. Well, Zane, yeah. thanks so much for taking the time to join Absolutely. the program. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you, Frank. Great to be here. Of course. Of course. And The Scoop will be back for you again with another great guest. Have an awesome day.